we'd like to remind you that if you are experiencing symptoms of a heart attack, stroke, or any life-threatening medical emergency, please call 911. Please do not delay seeking treatment during the COVID-19 epidemic. Most Providence emergency rooms are open, and CDC-required safety measures are being taken to protect patients and hospital staff. If you are unsure of your symptoms, please use our telehealth services and speak with a healthcare professional that can better assess your symptoms and provide direction on the best course of action. Please do not let the worry of COVID-19 cause delay in seeking out treatment if you are experiencing a heart attack or stroke. Every minute treatment is delayed can be fatal. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the future of health on Dash Radio during this coronavirus pandemic. We're lucky to have many experts around our COVID-19 topic and many guest hosts. Remember to visit coronavirus.providence.org for more information. I'm your host, Brett Barrow, founder and CEO of HerFeed. Um, as a reminder, the information provided during this event is for educational purposes only. It is not intended, nor is it implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Always consult your healthcare provider to determine the appropriateness of the information for your own situation. If you have any questions regarding medical conditions or treatment plans, please consult your physician. Participating in this event with this clinician does not create a physician-patient relationship. And joining me, everyone, hi, I'm Brett Barrow, founder of HerFeed, and joining me today is Dr. Robin Henderson, who serves as hi hi um, who serves as the chief executive of, for behavioral health at Providence Oregon. She also serves as clinical liaison to Wellbeing Trust, whose mission is to improve the mental, social, and spiritual health of the nation. In this role, she provides clinical oversight for investments and programming, ensuring they are consistent with the mission and values of both organizations. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, so we have a. Me too. Uh, we have a good conversation coming up that about kind of life post COVID. So um, I guess to start off, uh, you know, we actually did a Facebook live sort of at the beginning of this pandemic, and we were talking about how people re were reacting to it and how they were, you know, dealing with it and everything. And now that uh, shelter in place like has started to lift in some places and life is going back to quote normal. Um, what would you say are some of the common uh, anxieties and fears that people are having? Well, right now it's perfectly normal to have anxiety and fear in just about everything we do. Every time we step out of the house and we see somebody we either know or we don't know if they're wearing a mask, that's concerning. If they're not wearing a mask, that's even more concerning. Mm -hmm. So Every time we go to the grocery store, the coffee shop, we wonder about where has our package been? Who's last touched this? What am I doing now? You know, am I stepping into a space where somebody may have been talking loudly 14 minutes ago and I'm going to walk right into virus that I don't even know about? There's a lot to be anxious about these days. And that gets really stressful and mm -hmm. it's very hard to live with. Right. Yeah. And I think it's you know, it's interesting, too, because there are the people that are just so anxious or so not anxious, but so ready to go back to life as it was. And then there's other people. There are other people that are being much more cautious. And, you know, how do you know at what point, I guess, is are you taking it one stream, like one extreme to the other? Is there a way to sort of manage yourself? Because I do think that there are perhaps conflicting messages and just our own inner anxieties that we have. You know, I think people are just dealing with things, again, differently. I would agree with you. There are people who have 
fully embraced the we've got to stay, we've got to stay here, we've got to stay safe. Uh, it's not time to open up yet. And then on the other stream, you have people who are like, I'm ready to go. I want to go to a party. I want to go hang out on the beach. I want to go be with people again. And somehow we need to navigate a new medium that we don't even really fully understand. Uh, right. right now, there's kind of a, a, a school of thought that that the cure of having people stay safe and stay home uh, is almost going to be worse than you know the damage that we're doing to our economy right now. I worry about my hairdresser. I worry about my nail technician. I worry about people who aren't even on the list of being able to open back up. The personal trainers, the massage therapists, mm -hmm. all of those people who spend so much of their life um, giving comfort, giving services, touching us literally. How do we restart that part of our sector safely? And I think the correct answer is we don't know, but right. we know that we likely can't wait too awful much longer because we're doing damage to so many people's livelihoods in the in the middle of this. And it's I, a very scary place to be. It is. And I do think like in terms of the hair stylist, I mean I'm best friends. She's like my mine is like my older sister. Um but you definitely form really good relationships with these people. And these are the things too that whether they're considered to be superficial or not, they do also help with one's well-being and their confidence and the way you feel about yourself. So I do think that also besides their livelihood, not having these businesses open, I think is also impacting just people, their people sort of feeling like they're just normal. Yeah. And just the normal way, like I'm used to having my nails done all the time, you know? Um, so what would you say, at least again, in a previous um, Facebook Live, we talked about, um, our previous conversation, we talked about trauma and how all of this is sort of, how this could be tra traumatic and or triggering for somebody. Um, what do you think are, where are we right now? What do you think will be the lasting effects of this? Or, you know, are we, are people going to be facing a new type of trauma as we go back into the real world again? I think that we're in a new level of pandemic trauma that is both acute and creating its own chronic trauma impacts. Uh, for people who are, have been in on the front lines, providing care, working in our grocery scores, driving school buses uh, or, you know, transit buses, all the things that we need so that our world works. The postman every day, every FedEx driver and UPS driver, and all the people who are making those portions of our economy run on top of the people who are in EMS, our nurses, our doctors, our respiratory therapists, the dietary staff, and, you know, especially environmental services workers. These people have all been out there in the world, impacted and seeing the impacts of COVID-19 and the coronavirus every single day. They're seeing what happens to their coworkers, they're seeing what happens to their patients, and that creates a type of trauma that normally in a disaster, there's a relief, there's an end, and you know what it looks like when it's gonna end. We don't have an end story for this. So there's that type of trauma. Then there's the trauma happening for people who've lost their jobs, lost their income, don't know where the next meal is going to come from, they're worried about their rent, they're worried about all of those types of stressors that, that they didn't even know they needed to plan for because right. they had a successful restaurant, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's another bucket. But then we've got this third bucket of trauma that we're dealing with, with all of the students who are out of school. I was there used to be, yeah, there used to be yeah. out of school for the summertime, but all of the pieces, all of the legacies, all of the uh, graduations, all of the things that kids are missing. My kids had prom this weekend, and of course, oh, prom wow. did not happen. Right. Uh, 
but this would have been prom weekend. And how do they overcome, you know, letting go all of the expectations that you build up for a year? I'm going to wear that dress. I'm going to take that girl. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to buy these corsages along with then the downstream effect of think of all the florists who didn't make corsages this weekend. Right. And right. all of the income they counted on that they're losing. So I think when we look at this in terms of trauma, we're looking at how we manage the acute trauma that we're dealing with every day, but also this chronic level of trauma that just exists and it seeps in in the strangest ways. What do you do if, you know, obviously you could, somebody who's face, who's feeling the way or, or dealing with these sort of repercussions of it, what, if you weren't to go to an actual professional, what are, are there ways to almost self-soothe yourself so that the trauma that, you know, that you're feeling or that you may not even be aware of, but that's there, but it would make sense if you had it, you know, even if you haven't identified it, are there ways to sort of help your own, like help yourself, I guess. Absolutely. One of the best ways we talk about is build your self-care kit. What are the things that you can do that make you calm, that help you help you feel better? And those self-care kits have five components. First thing you want to think about is, is what are you hearing? What are the sounds that bring you peace? Do you have a playlist? Um, make a few playlists. And if you and if you don't have a playlist or aren't creative to make them, you can go on any, any, any streaming account and you'll find a playlist that's a calming playlist with music that calms you. Maybe it's the sound of rain. And so you get a rain machine or something like that. But figure out what sounds help calm you and help you feel better and get your head into a different space. Then think about what are the smells? What are the things that calm you uh, and make you feel better when you smell them? Is it lavender? Is it patchouli? Is it the smell of apple pie? What are those things that bring you some piece of inner joy and comfort so that you begin to feel better and that triggers in your brain all of those things that, that help you feel better? Then let's think about what you see, right? Mm -hmm. Go through your phone and find those pictures that calm you. Those videos that maybe it's the cat video channel or the <laughs> puppy video channel or whatever it is, but find those things that you can see that calm you and help take you to a different place and take your mind off of things. Then think about who are the humans that you have relationships with that you can you know, call or connect with? Is it a a family friend, is it your big sister who also happens to do your hair? Um, is it a, you know, is it a parent? Whoever it is that you can talk to, and maybe that person you could talk to is somebody like Youthline or Lines for Life that that is a reach out talking to somebody who who you may not know and may not be related to, but can handle your emotions. And then the fifth one, of course, is touch. What are the things that help you feel better when you touch them? A, a cuddly blanket, a favorite shirt. Um, you know, that that one right pair of jeans that makes you just feel right. Whatever it is, put those things together, the things you can can hear, taste, or I'm sorry, hear, smell, touch, those relationships, and of course, the things that you can see in the photos in your phone and other things that calm you down and build a self-care kit. The other thing we do when we notice that that I'm getting or someone's getting really anxious right there in the moment is it's really easy to do a four square breathing exercise where you breathe in for four seconds, hold for four seconds, and then breathe out for four seconds. And you do that four times. And when we do that, and if you do that several times a day, what you find is that that begins to just kind of recenter and reground you 
in the moment that you're in, which is a very calming thing to do. Those are just some simple, easy things that we can do that will help us connect and help us be grounded and understand that, that this too will pass. We will be on the other side of this. But as President Obama said in the, uh, I was listening to the, the speeches he gave to the high school students over the weekend yeah. uh, before President Obama was talking about, uh, we need to, to really be thinking about where it is that we're going forward on the other side and how uh, we rebuild a world that is connected, that is grounded, that is comforted. I, I really appreciate that advice. And I do think that a lot of what people have been feeling is the, the lack of control. So I think yeah. the self-care kit and being able to breathe, you know, doing the breathing exercise and being able to take control of something when there's so much that you can't still control is probably the, the one thing that we all can do for ourselves. Um, and, and you're so right about that, Brett, because when you have the things in your life that you can control, it makes it so much easier to, ha to handle the things you can't control. What is your meal plan for the day? You know, what are you going to do today? Um, what is your schedule? And keeping to your schedule as much as you can. And when your schedule gets off, giving yourself grace. Because here's one of the things we all know that we need sometimes. I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I got my schedule. I know where I'm going. And I just don't feel it today. Right. And that's okay to have that grace and to go, you know, maybe I'm not going to go out and, and, you know, walk two miles or, or walk five miles or go for that run. I am still going to do something. I've got to give myself some grace, but keeping to a schedule can help you give, give you control. And that sense of control is what's going to keep you really grounded. I agree. I, in the beginning of this, I didn't feel like I had a schedule at all and I could definitely feel the effects of that. And now that I, you know, for the last month or whatever that I've put together my own schedule, it has been so grounding. It's totally changed my entire sort of perspective on everything that's going on and just giving me such a better sense of peace. Um, and uh, so who out of all of this, out, out of everybody, I guess, you know, who's at most risk in terms of struggling with their mental health as this sort of continues or ends or we go back to real life? You know, I, there's a number of categories of people who are at risk. Obviously, people who live with mental illness, who aren't able to get uh, to their service providers and things like that, they are very much at risk. People who are alone, who are living alone, our elders and our seniors who are living alone or stuck in congregate care settings that people can't come visit, their mental health is very much at risk. I worry about people who I know don't have roommates or other families living with them because their ability to connect is, is so very limited. Um, I worry about the kids who are at home in abusive situations, whether they're uh, physically abusive, emotionally abusive, but the children who are at home and can't go to school and can't reach out to those teachers and mentors and get help uh, and are trapped in situations are at very, very, very high risk. I worry about people who are in domestically violent relationships, uh, people who may not feel they have a voice to be able to reach out. And to all of these people who are struggling right now, uh, especially the people who are struggling, working on our front lines, who are feeling the impact of this every single day, we need to really find a way to reach out and, and wrap hope around them. Figure out what it is that we can do to flood our social media, to flood 
um, the people we know who may be hurting, reach out and do a FaceTime call. Reach out and send them a note. Bake them a pie. That's one of my favorite things to do. I bake. That does a lot of things for me. The the beautiful pieces of baking that allow me to um, really bring forward those smells that bring me comfort, comfort are yeah. absolutely awesome. And then I can just give those things away to people. Then it brings them joy. That's amazing. Um, actually, we got a question from the audience, and it's awesome. sort of it's, it's actually about this too because and I the question is actually that some teens aren't really letting on that they're having issues. But I do think that there are people in general that aren't able to articulate um, you know, how they're feeling or they may not even be able to identify it. But in terms of teens, what should we do to help them with the trauma of missing out on these life moments, like you had mentioned about prom, but in general and graduation and all of these things? What we need to do, you're, you're correct. Some teens aren't letting on that they're suffering. They're like, no, I got this. It's okay. It's not that big a deal. Well, I have two teenage uh, high school seniors in my house right now and a college freshman, and it is a big deal for all of them. So we need to find ways to help them honor those things, uh, part of it in their own way, but part of it also in ways that are surprising and special for them. Sending them cards and letters. Uh, recently in our town, they created the senior week that the city council and everybody's endorsing. And I'm hoping that through that, they're going to have all kinds of messaging and surprises and things like that for our seniors. It was really special when the teachers came out and delivered signs that said, you know, here's your sign that says you're a senior at our high school. Uh, Those are cool things that we need to be thinking about. I've seen so many things where teachers have gone out and, and visited students uh, and especially students that they're concerned about. You can do that from a safe social distance. You can sit across the, the yard and wave and say hi and say, how are you? But, connecting in some way with all of our teens is important and making sure that you're creating, maybe it's not prom, but maybe it's a, a video chat one night and everybody dresses up and we've got punch and we've got cake and we have a, a party. Or maybe it's the hope of planning something for next year when we're going to have our senior, our, our belated, you know, year prom. reunion yeah. or the freshman prom that we're going to have when we get to college this fall. But we need to create experiences for our teens. They need to be part of creating them, but we also need to surprise them and let them know they're loved. I think thinking outside of the box, it's been amazing to see how many people have um, really done that in all capacities. I do think that one of the things that I continue to be so just amazed by is the, uh, the resilience of people and the way that we have been able to adapt to this because it's completely not, you know, it was the beginning of a new de decade in January. None of us were expecting this type of thing to happen. So, you know, it's like, you know, it's been, and you have, you don't have a choice. So we've all had to adapt. So it's been amazing to just see some, you know, just the creativity and then the togetherness and the supportiveness that, you know, has sort of been universal. Um, what would you say in general uh, that people can do? I, you mentioned the self-care kit and the breathing, but what can people do? Are there any, is there anything else that people can do to sort of feel more in control right now? Um, is there, are, yeah, is there? You yeah, there's a lot of it. things. Yeah. Um, this is a great time to, if you're a musician, play your instrument, learn a new instrument. Uh, if you're an artist, draw, paint, do find whatever form of self-expression works for you. For some people, it's it's art, it's 
painting. For some people, it's cooking. Uh, for some people, it's finding their music and being able to post those experiences online. There's a lot of online choirs to join nowadays. There's a lot of really great online experiences and a lot of opportunities to learn new things. Maybe you don't know how to paint. Well, I bet you there's a YouTube video for that these mm -hmm. days. Maybe you want to learn a foreign language. We know there's a number of programs for that. But take the time that you've got to do something and do something for yourself. If you've always wanted to write a book, now's a great time to start journaling. Write down your experiences, because I bet you there's going to be some great novels that come out of this whole entire experience that we're going to read about for years. Or produce your own podcast. Who knows? I mean, these types of things are the things that we need to start thinking about that keep us from just dwelling in our own heads. We have to get out of our heads and out into the universe, however it is that we can safely. I I absolutely agree. I think that too, we haven't really, most of us haven't been given a time like this to really work on our hobbies or our passions or try that thing and not be afraid to fail. This is sort of, as weird as it may sound, it's kind of like a free time that we've been given to try try these things and learn these things. Um, yep. What would you say about, um, you know, as people start to go out more, um, I know that a lot of people deal with social anxiety in have dealt with social anxiety, you know, prior to all of this. But I feel like the social, the anxieties now about, you know, coming into contact with people and, you know, social distancing and not knowing where this person was. And how do you deal with all of that so that you, you don't get obsessive about it, but that you're absolutely, you know, safe and smart about it? A lot of it comes with intent. Uh, when we're wearing masks, you can't read people's facial expressions. So it's really, really important nowadays to look people in the eye and to, you know, talk, you know, say hello, ask how people are doing, be very intentional with connection and acknowledge with a wave. You know, you see somebody across the street and we know nowadays it's, it's, it's the norm to cross the street when somebody's coming towards you. That's considered the polite thing to do. And that happens all the time when I'm out walking in my neighborhood. And I always make a point to say hello and to say hi, even though these are people that I don't know, because we're all in this shared experience together. Yeah. It yeah. is awkward. And it can be really helpful to talk with people about how awkward this is. But making a point to make connections with people. And one of the things that we have to be really careful about is understanding that we don't know everybody's story. We don't know where everybody is coming from. And sometimes you may be in a, in a setting or a situation where someone is, is not behaving in a way that would be considered socially distancing. The idea of public shaming isn't a good idea. It's I really think. not. The, the better way to approach things is out of care and concern. If you see somebody without a mask, ask them if they need one. Um, engage in a conversation. Say, you know, remind them, you know, the mask is for me, not necessarily for you. And uh, I remember I uh, was talking with somebody who had a service provider, cable guy, came to the house to, to do the cable and wasn't wearing a mask. And, and she said, you know, why aren't you wearing a mask? And he says, well, the only mask that works is an N95 and I don't have one. Well, that's a great opportunity to share that, you know, actually this is to stop these, you know, stop the droplets and have a little bit of an understanding and a conversation. But also remember that you have a choice to just walk away and to distance yourself from someone who's not practicing safely. 
public shaming isn't something that we need to engage in. No, I agree. I feel like it's it doesn't do any it it really does no one any good other than create more bullying, which is something that we don't really need. Um, you know, the media, if you read any newspaper, any online, you know, resource right now, we keep seeing in the media about how mental health issues have grown in the last two months. Um, what will providers be able to do to address this part of the pandemic? Most providers I know are available online right now doing televideo sessions with people and are available to also, if you don't have a video platform, do talk therapy on the telephone. The insurance industry regulations and the Fed have released many of the regulations that stopped us from using that. And I think that's where if you feel overwhelmed and you can't get out of bed in the morning or you're so anxious that even with precautions, you can't leave your home, you need to reach out and get some help. And the, the medical profession is here for you. Call your primary care doctor, call Lines for Life or some other crisis support line, but talk to somebody. Help is available. It's, it's often something that's going to give you some really great tips and tricks for how to deal with your anxiety, to deal with your depression, and to really get in front of this before it takes over your world. That's the hardest part. When you see somebody who's struggling and you know they're struggling, Part of what we need to do as fellow humans is to say, hey, I see you're having a really tough time. How can I help? What can I do for you? And that really lends us to the, the place where not everybody is a psychologist. Not everybody can say the things that I can say or the things that you say, uh, but everybody can take the time to listen to someone else and to say, you know what? Sounds like you need some help. Here's the phone number for Lines for Life or Crisis Text Line or however it is, let's call together and let's get you connected to somebody who can help because you don't need to be like this right now. You don't need to live with this. Help is always available. That's, I mean, it's so true. And it's actually, I feel like a lot of people need to hear that right now because I do think that people are silently struggling. And I do think that with the social distancing, it does make it a little harder because there are, we don't really have the same escape and distractions that we've had previously. So we're sort of left with our own thoughts a little bit more than we were pre-COVID. Um, what would you say, um, what would you say is your biggest concern as a professional? Um, you know, as we continue, continue to again loosen, as shelter in place uh, restrictions start to loosen and we go back to life or a new normal, um, you know, as we leave the house and everything? My biggest concern are for the people who are beginning to feel desperate and depressed and so anxious that they're not going to be able to re-engage and that they're too scared to get help. My fears for the people who are feeling that the only way out of the hole that's been dug for them is to, you know, end their life. I'm very concerned about the high numbers of people who are unemployed and feeling that that overwhelming sense of fiscal insolvency can only be resolved by ending their life. There are other ways. Suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And we need to reach out and pull together and help people who we know are struggling, help people who we know are in desperate situations who may or may not have ever been there before. 
we will get through this, but we need to get through this together. And that means sometimes we need to, to send in a helping hand and help pull someone along with us. It also means we need to attend to our own mental health needs as well. As healthcare professionals, we are the worst at that. You know, we're going to go in there, get our adrenaline on, and we're going to fight the good fight, and we're going to take care of people. And then the next thing you know, our tank is empty. Take the time to refill your own tank. Go and do something for you. Uh, I had a friend who sent me a photo this weekend. They had gone out because the parks are open, had gone out with their canoe and gone canoeing. And that really filled their soul and their spirit. So we need to find the things that fill your soul and spirit. And if you see someone who's struggling, say something and get them connected to resources. I see up here, we've also got the Work to Be Well site, which is another great resource that we can use. That's designed for teens and parents to help them understand the impact of anxiety and depression and how to help teens. And it even has the instructions for building that self-care kit we talked about. Oh, that's amazing. Um, I think... I mean, I, I want to build, make my own self-care kit because I feel like it's absolutely something that we all need. I, we are pretty much, I can't believe 30 minutes already passed, but we are basically out of time. Is there anything else that you want to add before we end this? I just want to thank you, Brett, for lifting this up and talking about the issues related to mental health, understanding, helping our listeners understand, feeling anxious, feeling depressed, feeling overwhelmed, feeling stressed. All of those things you're feeling right now are perfectly normal in the middle of a pandemic. And we're all feeling them together. So if you think you're the only one, I gotta tell you, I'm struggling with it too. Right. And we need to pull together, we need to talk about it, we need to be in community together, and we need to remember that there is life after COVID. Be well. I, uh, that's. I think that's great advice. I think that we all need to remember to be empathetic and compassionate as well, and that we will yeah. get through this. Um, so thank you so much, Dr. Henderson, for joining us today and to everyone for listening and sending in your questions. If you are looking for help with processing anxiety or other medical advice, please visit providence.org. You can also follow Dr. Henderson at Doc Rob Henderson on Instagram, and you can follow the HerFeed at, at the HerFeed. Make sure to also follow Providence on social media and which includes Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Providence Health System. For the latest about coronavirus, please visit corona.providence.org. To learn more about our mission programs and services, visit future.psjhealth.org. Thank you so much, everyone, and we will see you next time.